Hello and welcome to the Enjoyably Futile podcast, the sister show to the University Challenge Klaxon Game over on Twitter. Cue the theme tune. Welcome to episode 7 of the Enjoyably Futile podcast. Um, This episode is entitled Unenjoyably Fruitful, and I'll explain that a little bit later on. For those of you who are picking up this podcast for the first time and haven't listened to the previous episodes, the game we play over on Twitter on a Monday evening is called the University Challenge Klaxon, and basically the idea is that we predict answers that we think might come up in that evening's show. It's very silly, um, there's a lot of fun banter, a lot of silliness goes on, but lots of people also join in. Now, this episode of the podcast, again, is going to be a little bit of a play around with the format. I don't have a guest this week, unfortunately. I think people are a little bit shy and don't want to come forward to take part in the impossibly difficult question game. But give it time, I'm sure we'll get some more people on soon enough. Um, I'll start off by, sorry, I should start off by saying I'm going to try this episode to avoid having to stop and start and do any editing. I'll, I'll do some editing in post with some music and stuff like that. But overall, I'm going to have a go at trying to record the podcast in as few takes as possible. The previous few episodes, I've been uh, cheating slightly. I've recorded quite a lot of um, stuff, particularly when I've had um, guests on. With my guests, I tend to chat for sometimes up to an hour and I try and cut that down to 20, 25 minutes worth of conversation. So for this episode, I'm going to try my best not to press pause or press stop or repeat things. So if you hear lots of ums and ahs and weird noises going on, it's because I'm trying to have a go at recording one in one take. I'll start off by talking about the university challenge episode that was on episode three of this series it was between Lineker Oxford and the Open University the Oxford captain was King and the Open University captain was Taylor to be honest with you it was a pretty straightforward affair um the Open University won comfortably with 210 points they were very very measured with their answers they took their time they didn't rush into things and they ended up breaking the 200 barrier um I can't see this Oxford um, team going further because they only scored 140 and it's not nearly enough as a losing um, score to progress to the next round I don't think whether the Open University will be able to go all the way I hope they do actually I hope they have a really good um, crack at this series it's, it's nice to see a decent Open University team um, making some headway they I don't know whether they'll be able to compete with the faster buzzers of some of the um, some of the teams we haven't actually seen yet. So I'm not sure I can actually say that. But we do know, you know, we are still relatively early on in the first round games, and we haven't seen some really quick fire ones. There'll be some other Oxford and Cambridge um, colleges, I reckon, that might have a couple of strong players, particularly their captains, that will probably maybe a little bit quicker on the buzzers to stop the open university but like i said they were a really measured team and they they took the time answering things they're really sensible and they they put on a really good show actually last week in terms of the university challenge clacks and itself the game it was a it was an odd game totally really really odd game where we didn't even really have many um 
near misses. I was a little bit disappointed myself because one of my answers, um, which was Zeus, was the for the format of an entire set of questions. So although it was a set of questions, I didn't get a win there. Um, I nearly missed a couple of winners, actually. I'd, I'd actually already tweeted the end of the game to say that we hadn't had any winners. And a couple of people uh, came on to me later on. Um, that was Miss Radders and Smanfar. I love that uh, name, actually. When when you say it properly, you realise what it's a, um, what the, her name is. But um, they both came on to me because there was a question that required a range of a possible range of dates. Basically, if you set a date that fitted into that range, then you got the correct answer. Now I missed these ones because the the dates that they gave weren't specific answers in terms of what Jeremy Paxman gave. However, they did fit into the ranges for getting a correct answer. So I decided to award those two people wins because had they given those answers on the show, then they would have been considered to be correct answers. Um, In terms of this week's game, I'm not sure about strategy for this week. Um, My strategy for the previous couple of weeks hasn't seemed to... Um, hasn't seemed to come off as well as I would have liked. I've not been very close in the past couple of games, so I might have to switch it up a little bit. So I'll have a think while I'm talking and come up with some answers later on. I'll always have a composer. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm going to put a number back in. I'm not sure about places. We'll have to have a think. Um, But I've got a new segment to have a chat with you about in a little bit, which might influence some of my answers. I might choose some answers based on what I talk about um, later on. So... Like I said, um, the title of this podcast is Unenjoyably Fruitful, which is, if you pay attention, is the opposite of the usual title of the overall podcast. Um, I haven't got a guest, like I said, so I've chosen the title myself. And the reason I've chosen that title is because I've been doing a couple of things recently which have been massively unenjoyable to do, um, but will prove to be very fruitful in the long run. So the first thing I've been doing is decorating my loft. Now, I'm not a massive fan of decorating. I love choosing color schemes and I love um, seeing the final product, but the it's one of those things where you get halfway through doing and I just regret starting it entirely. However, I actually, the, one of the reasons why I'm so late in recording this episode and getting out to you is because um, I've actually been recording it as, uh, not recording it, <laughs> I've been decorating the loft uh, over the course of the last week or so. Um, it's been really, really tricky actually because because it's a loft, there's lots of beams and things, and lots of little nooks and crannies to get into and the, the biggest issue I've had is cutting in everything. That's been the biggest pain and waiting for things to dry and go back and touch things up. That's been really tough. Um, I also had a bit of damp that I had to have fixed, first of all, and that took a long time. And I'm not 100% sure I've actually fixed it or not. So we'll just have to see. I'll keep you informed on my loft and see how that goes. See how that goes. Um, but like I said, well, the, the finished product is actually um, pretty good, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with how it's turned out. Uh, I've got a few little bits and pieces to sort out. I'm missing some doors, so at the minute I can see all the things, all the rubbish and shite that I've hidden away. Um, I have to get some new doors to put onto there. My other unenjoyably fruitful thing that I've picked back up this week is um, I went for a run this morning. Now, Prior to being in lockdown, prior to the situation that we're in at the moment, um, I was training for an ultra marathon for the Vale of Glamorgan Ultra, 
which was supposed to take place um, at the start of April, I think the date was. I can't remember exactly what the date was. Um, and we, me and my friend were regularly running 20, 30 kilometers-ish each weekend to try and kind of push the numbers. But as soon as the event was cancelled, we kind of knocked it on the head a little bit. Um, and as more and more events were cancelled um, for, for absolutely perfect reasons, um, either cancelled or rescheduled to next year or whatever, I found myself being really unmotivated to get out and run for anything. Um, so I spent more time sitting on my backside drinking beer than I did doing any sort of exercise. So I went out today um, for the first time in two months, actually. The last run I did was 20 kilometers or just over 20 kilometers. Um, and I actually hurt my foot doing it um, because I need to get some new trainers. Um, so I hurt my foot and, and for a good week I, could, I couldn't walk very well. So I stopped running and just started drinking lots of beer and sitting and doing not much else, to be honest with you. Um, and it's had a real impact because I went out today and it was really, really not an enjoyable experience at all. I, I did not enjoy, it was only four kilometers that I ran, but it was horrible. It was really unpleasant. Um, but I know that by sticking with it, it is going to be fruitful. So, you know, by come the end of August, if I can stick with it and be regular with my runs, then fingers crossed, I should be back to some sort of rough fitness. So there are my unenjoyably fruitful. Uh, unenjoyably fruitful things that uh, I've thought of this week. So, because I haven't got a guest, um, I've come up with a new little segment, which is called, uh, um, quite originally, Did You Know? And that's not really original at all, but there we go. So, I've um, been doing some research, and by doing some research, I've been searching on Google and finding some websites to um, find some information from. Um, so, you'll probably hear some clicks and some bangs, because I'm not editing out my clicks and bangs. I'm just going to have a look through some really interesting stuff. But what I've done is I've picked some stuff that could possibly come up on University Challenge. Um, I know that this first category definitely comes up quite regularly, actually. Um, and one of the other ones, the, the reason, one of the categories I've chosen today as well is uh, flags. Purely because of the fact that for the previous few episodes, I've been convinced that flags aren't going to come up in University Challenge. And they have. So, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. So, the first little segment of Did You Know is all about space. And specifically, it's to do with uh, moons in our solar system. Now, we all know that we've got one moon that orbits us. But there are a couple of planets in the solar system that have got some very famous um, moons. And these come up, these actually crop up quite regularly um, throughout a series. And you can give one of these answers for, um, because they're named after usually Greek or Roman gods and goddesses and characters and things like that in mythology. You can use them as kind of like a, a double answer because you could get a question about mythology or you could get a question about space. You never know. Um, so I'm going to jump to Jupiter. I'm going to jump to Jupiter's moons because they are the, I think, oddest ones in the solar system. They're the ones that are pretty close to harboring some sort of life um, beyond planet Earth. Um, so the, the really famous ones are Callisto, um, Callisto, Europa, Ganymede, and Io. They're the ones that you've probably heard the most of before. Um, there are, believe it or not, there are actually 53 named moons um, orbiting Jupiter and another 26 which are awaiting official naming, which gives us 79 moons around Jupiter, which is a ridiculous number, actually, because we've only got one. I feel like Jupiter's been a little bit greedy there and taking all of them. Um, but 
Europa is probably the one moon that people are most interested in because it's got an icy surface. It's also got um, the, pretty much the entire surface is covered underneath the icy surface by an ocean. And if there's water, then there's a big, big chance that you're going to find some sort of life there. So, yeah, if you if you hear questions to do with Jupiter or space and you hear Callisto, Europa, Ganymede or Io, you know it's probably going to be something to do with Jupiter. Um, the other one is, the other big one is Saturn. Again, Saturn's been very greedy with his moons because he's got 82 moons. Again, 53 of them are confirmed and named, and there's another 29 moons awaiting some sort of um, official discovery and confirmation. I think there's a lot of scientific conversation that has to go on between people before they can officially say that there is an official name on something. And when you see some of the shapes of these things, they don't really look like moons. They, they, they look more like asteroids that have been captured by the planet. But... I think the, the rules are if it's orbiting the planet, then it is a moon. Now, there are lots more here in terms of named ones. Um, so we've got things like Atlas and Calypso, Enceladus, Ep Epimetheus. Uh, what else we got? We got Hyperion, Iapetus, Janus, Methoni, Mimas, Mimas, I'm not sure, uh, Pan, Pandora, Phoebe, uh, Polyduces, and Prometheus. Prometheus is a cool name. I like that name. It's really good. Um, when you see the shapes of them, Pan actually looks like a cabbage. <laughs> it does that. Look it up. If you, if you get a chance, Google Pan. See if you can find a picture, a photograph of Pan, the um, the satellite of Saturn. And it look, genuinely looks like a cabbage. Um, so, yeah, they, they quite often come up... Um, but the two two kind of big ones are Enceladus and Titan. They come up quite regularly. Um, they, they, well, coming to mind in terms of universal challenge. So it's worth kind of bearing one of them in mind when coming up with some answers. One of the other things that I've always been really, really interested in is the opposite end of the exploration spectrum is the deep sea. So the, I, I actually think that the, the, the ocean scares me more than space does um that any of you that have been out on a little boat or been in the water in the ocean will know just how terrifying it is um and considering we've got better maps of the night sky than we do of the ocean kind of tells you just how difficult a, an environment it is one of my favorite favorite ever facts is that the ocean is so deep in its deepest point that you could put my mount everest in it, in that point, and still have about a mile to go to the surface. So from the surface to the top of Mount Everest, um, in depth, so it would be about a mile, and you would then have the rest of Mount Everest, which is 8,848 meters, I think it is, so 8.84 kilometers, I think that's right. Um, so it's, it's pretty deep. Um, apparently, only three people have ever visited the depths of the Challenger Deep, um challenger deep is in the pacific ocean i believe and it is frighteningly deep um so and one of the one of the people that actually travels there a lot is filmmaker james cameron he's actually a, a big explorer i think he uses a lot of his money that he makes um making ridiculous films like avatar well he, he uses a lot of his money to make avatar well other people's money probably um but he also does a lot of exploration one of those things he does is attempts to travel to the depths of the ocean um 
Apparently, we have better maps of Mars than we do of the ocean floor. Um, you can actually get a Google Maps map of Mars, which is pretty interesting, actually. Um, just like Google Earth, they've mapped the, um, the surface of Mars. It's worth checking out, actually. If you're um, a teacher, if you're teaching space in school, it's really, really interesting to have a look at. Um, a really great word uh, that you could use is bioluminescence. I love that. Um, and because of the amount of creatures that live um, beyond our our sight, beyond our eyes on the depths of the ocean, um, some people actually consider bioluminescence to be the most, or one of the most common forms of communication on the planet. So there you are. That's a nice fact, isn't it? Um, the deepest point on Earth is 11 kilometers deep in the Mariana Trench near the Mariana Islands. Um, 11 kilometers is ridiculously deep. That's a stupid amount that's longer than running a 10 kilometer race obviously um and those of you that have ever run a 10 kilometer race um especially those of you like me who are not massively fit but just do stupid stuff like that anyway will know that it's a pretty long way um so if you imagine that in a straight line down plus a bit extra that gives you an idea of just how deep it is um water obviously because the ocean isn't frozen the water at the bottom right at the bottom of the ocean is always at a sort of constant um just above freezing point kind of one two degrees um because obviously if it, if it was a zero it should be frozen that'd be awful um moving on from moving on from the ocean so we've done space and we've done so we've gone right out into space and right to the depth of the ocean now is time to talk a little bit about flags. Now, if you've been paying attention over the past couple of weeks, there have been quite a few answers to do with flags. But flags are actually a really good source of answers because you've got geography, possibly geography questions, history questions, um, picture rounds involving flags, colours could come up. There's loads and loads and loads and loads of opportunities with flags. Another great word is vexillology, which is the study of flags. So you, someone might want to get vexillology in there somewhere. Um, apparently, now this is a really interesting fact. I didn't know this. There are only three national flags that differ on their front and reverse sides. Who knew that? Apparently, the Moldovan flag has a crest on the front, either coat of arms, but not on the back. Um, the Paraguay, um, the Paraguay flag has just the treasury seal on the back now this is a really interesting one the flag of saudi arabia if you saw it flying you would look like the same flag however what they actually do is because there is a because there's sacred writing on the flag um they're only allowed to write it and print it on one side so what they do is they take two flags and they stitch them back to back so although it looks like it's the same flag, actually the back of the flag has nothing on it because they're not allowed to write something on the back of it. I thought that was actually a surprisingly interesting fact. Um, the biggest ever flag in the world, apparently, according to Guinness World Records, um, was a Romanian national flag that measured 349 by 227 metres. That is ridiculous. Um, apparently it weighed about five tonnes and consisted of about 44 miles of thread, which is pretty big. Um, the most expensive Union flag in the world ever sold was the last surviving Union, Union flag from the Battle of Javalga and was sold at auction for £384,000, which is, again, probably, to be fair, owning a bit of history like that, is, if you've got the money for it, why not? Um, 
nice easy one. There's always a flag flying over Buckingham Palace. However, it changes depending on whether Her Majesty is in or not. So if she's not there, the Union flag is flying. However, the Royal Standard is flown depending on whether she is there or not. Um, there is only one non-rectangular national flag, and that is the flag of Nepal. Um, if you see it, it looks like two... Um, two triangles kind of squished together and there are some religious symbols on there um quite a few flags have um religious symbols on as well so turkey algeria pakistan and israel all have stars of some form on them uh, turkey algeria and pakistan have also got uh, crescent moons as well there are only two national flags that are square one of them that you probably know is switzerland's flag which is just red with a white cross on it but vatican city's flag is also square i did not know that so there we are and just randomly because i thought it'd be interesting to talk about um, another place that kind of scares me a lot is antarctica um, but it's also re fascinating is a fascinating place historically to learn about um one of my favorite facts and i don't know if this is a true fact or not but um it's a great one for catching people out if it's true is that antarctica is actually the biggest desert on earth and um, because it's so dry um there's there's actually very very little precipitation um on antarctica there's lots of wind and lots of ice because it's frozen but in terms of actual snowfall and rain there's not a huge amount so although if you were to question where the largest um desert in the world was some people might say sahara desert some people might say the gobi desert some people might say um possibly death valley in america um but actually antarctica is as far as i'm aware the largest um desert in the world which is really interesting and um, someone might want to fact check me on that and uh, get back to me and tell me whether or not i've uh, totally made that up um apparently it is the windiest place on earth on average and wind speeds can reach up to 200 miles per hour which is ridiculous um if you ever see um explorers or travelers who have come back from antarctica um it's a terrifyingly cold place um to the point where if you even if you just bear a, a tiny bit of skin it will burn almost immediately from the, either the cold or from the wind it's it's that um extreme uh, the Antarctic ice sheet is the single biggest mass of ice in the world uh, and in some places can be up to four miles thick, which is pretty deep. Um, it also contains 90% of the planet's freshwater ice and around 70% of the total freshwater on Earth. Um, however, if you're paying attention to global warming, you'll know that if a lot of that melts, um, the sea levels around the world will rise quite considerably. Um, apparently, the Ross Ice Shelf, um, which extends off of the continent, um, encompasses more than 510,000 square kilometres. Um, to put that into perspective, the United Kingdom is around about 240,000 square kilometres. So you're looking at twice the size of the United Kingdom made up purely of just an ice shelf. Um, so there you go. That's an interesting fact for you. Um There are apparently 30 different countries that operate on Antarctica. There isn't one single country that is based there officially. There are lots of territories and research stations, but nobody actually, um, nobody actually, I don't think, claims 
a stake in Antarctica. There were just lots of people doing um, research and they kind of have to go there for long periods of time because once you're there after a certain point, you're pretty much trapped there because it is a, a horrible place to travel to. So they are they were my four did you knows. Um, we talked about space, looked at deep sea, looked at flags and a quick look at Antarctica as well. Um, I hope you have enjoyed listening to some random facts over the past 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, like I said, I am still playing around with the format of the podcast. However, there's probably quite a lot of stuff in there that you could give as an answer or might pop up as an answer over the course of this series. So it's worth bearing in mind um, when you're thinking about your answers. So think about what I'm probably going to go with. Um, I'm going to probably break my rule. I think I, I don't know whether I should go with Beethoven or not because Beethoven's popped up a few times. Um, but I think I'm going to stick with Stravinsky. I better write these down as I'm going. I'm going to stick with Stravinsky. I'm going to go with Titan, the moon, on Saturn because why not? Um, I need to pick a number. Why not go for... Um, I can see on my screen here the number 15. Yeah, we go. I'll go with the number 15 because why not? Um, <laughs> and my bonus, I I usually go with a place. I might just go with Antarctica. Why not? So I'm going with Stravinsky, Titan, 15, and Antarctica. Um, I hope you found some of this interesting. I've, I've actually really enjoyed reading some of those things. Um, amazingly, I didn't just troll through uh, Wikipedia like I usually do. I actually went to some relatively um, worthy websites and one of them was NASA. So I'm not totally making stuff up on the spot by reading Wikipedia. Some stuff on Wikipedia is worthwhile. However, I am aware that it is written by anybody and can be um, sometimes a little bit uh, unreliable in terms of information. But there we go. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed some of these facts and hopefully I will see you again soon. Goodbye. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode of the podcast, or if you would obviously if you'd like to take part in the impossibly difficult question game, then find me over on Twitter at Andy Keegan or at Enjoyably Futile. Um, or if you would like to sponsor an episode, then please feel free to email me over on enjoyablyfutile at gmail.com. been listening to the Endurably Futile podcast, hastily written and hosted by Andrew Keegan with the theme tune composed by Benjamin Dolan. <laughs>